Section 31 of Criminal Investigation, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Maxwell. Criminal Investigation, a Practical Handbook for Magistrates, Police Officers, and Lawyers, Volume 3 by Hans Gross. Translated by John Adam and John Collier Adam. Chapter 18 Continued Cheating and Fraud, Section 7, Cast No work on criminal investigation in India would be complete without some mention of the caste system which binds and fetters Hindu society, but adequately to deal with the matter would require several volumes and a more minute acquaintance with the subject than the editors can lay claim to. There are, besides, many and valuable treatises on this, perhaps the most complicated and incomprehensible of problems to which those desirous of really going deep into the question may refer. To give a descriptive account of the peculiarities and customs of even the principal races and caste divisions of India would not only be beyond the scope of this work, but would moreover be of little value to an investigating officer. Much of this must be learnt by him from practical intercourse with and work amidst the peoples of India. To reiterate what may perhaps be called a council of perfection, his eyes must be always open, his ears must be ever on the alert, and his tongue must on no account refrain from questioning those he meets. Thus he will add to that knowledge of mankind without which no investigating officer can succeed. In this, books can assist him but little. He must rely on self-help. In the district to which he is attached, he must acquaint himself with the types of that district, and when transferred to some other part of the country, if he meets individuals of those types, he will know their origin and be in a position to sum them up. In the light of these remarks, it would be idle to say much on caste. Yet, as a starting point for young officers arriving in the country for the first time, probably in total ignorance of the people, the following few notes may be of interest. In the first place, a clear distinction must be drawn between sect and caste. All Hindus worship Brahma, but not as such. They worship him as Siva and the incarnations of Siva, or as Vishnu and the incarnations of Vishnu. The innumerable sects of the Hindu will all merge into one or other of the following main divisions. 1. Sivites, Sevas, worshipping Siva proper. 2. Ganapatis, worshipping Siva's son, Ganesa. 3. Saktas, worshipping Niyani, or female form of Siva. 1. Dakshinashari, right-handed. 2. Varnashari, left-handed, indecent. 4. Lingates, worshipping the phallic or indecent form of Siva. 2. The Vaishnavites. 1. Gokalis, worshipping Vishnu as 1. Rama only, 2. Sita only, 3. Birth together. Or 2. Ramanajas. 1. Krishna only, 2. Radha only, 3. Birth together. 3. Saras, worshipping Surya the Sun. Caste is a different institution. 
wherein the distinction lies in the social status of the party apart from the particular deity he worships. The four main divisions of caste originally were Brahmins, or the priestly and educated classes, non-Brahmins, Kshatriyas, or warriors or rulers, Vashyas, or traders or cultivators, Sudras, or slaves. These are again divided and subdivided into countless castes. Pariahs are those with no caste at all. The distinction between sect and caste is thus clear. Sect defines the deity worshipped and religion followed. Caste defines the status in society held by the follower of a sect. What are usually spoken of as caste marks are not caste marks but sect marks. A Brahmin or a non-Brahmin make each wear marks of practically the same import, for example both denoting a follower of Vishnu. A man's caste cannot therefore always be learnt from his forehead. The marks are those of the deities worshipped and do not necessarily denote the status in life of the wearer. In practice, however, we find that particular castes sometimes do have their own special deviations in the matter of sectarian marks, and if a man's name be also known, we have a pretty good guide not only to his sect, but to his caste, character, and in some cases, calling. Sivite marks are two or more horizontal lines with or without a dot below or above, or on the middle line, or with or without the oval or half oval, typical of Siva's eye, bisecting the line. Also by a triangle or any other pointed or arched object having its apex or connex and upwards, because Siva denotes fire which ascends. A crescent moon and the trisula or trident also indicate a Sivite. For the most common, see figure 151, numbers 1 to 7. Vishnavite marks are perpendicular lines with or without a dot or circle between them, or a chakra or disc, or an orange shield, cone, or heart shape, or similar form having its apex pointing downwards, as Vishnu denotes water which descends. For the most common, see figure 151, numbers 8 to 13. Number 8 is affected by Brahmins. Number 9, mostly by moneylenders, Salkars. Number 11 is common to Chetis and Natus. In southern India, a common division of Vishnavites is into Vagdagalis, a U-mark, figure 151, number 10, and Tengali, a Y-mark, figure 151, number 12. In the Y mark, the perpendicular stroke at the bottom extends down the bridge of the nose. This stroke is wanting in the U mark. The central stroke is red, the others are white. The two classes are far from friendly, their disputes frequently leading to serious riots. After a death, the center mark is not worn till after the tenth day ceremony. Number 14 is worn by women. The color and extent of the mark depend upon the particular degree of piety of the individual. Brothers may have quite different tastes. One may wear a large and highly colored mark, while that of the other may be quite simple. Marks are usually colored red, yellow, black, or even white. They are made with ashes taken from the sacrificial fires, cow dung, Ganges earth, turmeric, sandalwood, chunam, lime, or red sand. 
The powder is made adhesive by a size of rice water. The Saktas frequently wear no mark at all. Apart from being able to locate the main division to which a Hindu belongs, little can be gathered from a forehead mark alone. No doubt it may be determined that he is a Sivite or a Vishnavite, a Tengali or a Vagdagali, but this means little more than if in Great Britain it were to be said that a man belonged to the established church, was a nonconformist, a Baptist, or a Wesleyan. In southern India especially, sectarian marks are worn by practically all Hindus, the lowest pariah sporting the most prominent and highly colored. On saving a few rupees, the pariah will call himself a Pile, Nadu, or even a Moldalaire, but he will wear just any mark he fancies, and who is there to say him nay? A favorite method of disguise in India is the assumption of the garments, hair, and behavior of the faker or sannyasi. A long yellow robe, known as an allure robe, a heavy, ill-kempt beard, and ashes of sandalwood covering the face hide a multitude of sins. In a sensational case of double murder committed some years ago in Madras, the criminal escaped in such a disguise, and for many months wandered unmolested, indeed honored and reverenced, all over the north of India. The search for the murderer was about to be dropped when, by the merest chance, an acquaintance, who was away from Madras on business, spotted him in spite of his disguise at Kutak. It may be safely assumed that many criminals get safely away under this disguise. Perhaps in no country is impersonation so easy as in India. While this book is in the press, there comes news of an almost incredible case in which it is alleged the pariah servant of one of the most important rajas visited a neighboring raja, impersonated his master, and was right royally entertained. The importance of unmasking such impersonation is pointed out on page 105. From a man's name, as we have already stated, his walk in life and district of origin may often be deduced, especially if he be a countryman and not a dweller in the great cities. A name ending in Achari or Chari invariably denotes a Brahmin, either of Sivite or Vaishnavite persuasion. The surname Iyengar always denotes a Vishnavite Brahmin, and Ayer a Sivite Brahmin. Asari is the accustomed surname of the artisan caste, goldsmiths, blacksmiths, and carpenters. The members of this caste consider themselves equal if not superior in rank to Brahmins. They wear the sacred thread and may be both Sivites and Vishnavites. A large number have become Christians. A Chetier or Chetty is a high-caste Sudra. In most cases he will be well-to-do, often very wealthy indeed. Quite 90% of the native bankers and money-lenders are Chetiers or Chetties. The well-known Tamal, Natu Kote Chetties, the Scots of the peninsula, are among the richest merchants in India. Their heads are shaved and their clothing of the scantiest. They have often fine houses magnificently furnished, opened only when a collector or a governor comes along, while the owner lives in a neighboring go-down. The surname Moldalaire, one of the most common in southern India, was formerly an honorific title for the headman of the Tamal village and still is so used in Ceylon. It also in some quarters denotes the weaver caste. Nowadays, a Moldalaire may be almost anything by profession. They are high-caste sudras, generally well-to-do. They are both Sivites and Vishnavites. A Nadu in Telugu districts corresponds to the Moldalaire in Tamal. 
Now the name is found everywhere, and its owner may belong to almost any trade or profession. And there is the name of a peculiar race on the Malabar coast, who follow the Hindu religion and claim to be of Sudra caste. They are frequently well-educated, are good accountants, and hold many public appointments. They are a good-sized, well-featured race. A menon is always a nair. Nambutri or Namburi is the name of a very high caste of Brahmins in Malabar. A Pillay is a low caste sudra. Originally, this was an honorific title given to men of the shepherd caste. The name is frequently assumed by wealthy pariahs desiring to rise in the social scale. Reddy is a common surname, especially in the Telugu districts. A Reddy generally worships Vishnu as Puryumal, which name they frequently bear. The name is also an honorific title of a village headman in Telugu districts. Rao or Ro generally denotes a Brahmin, though some Sudras also bear this surname. They are usually Sivites. The surnames Das and Lal are common in Gujarati districts and among Mavaris, a great money-lending class who have scattered all over India. They generally wear mark number 9, figure 151. Lingates are distinguishable by the peculiarly shaped metal box worn hanging on a string round the neck or tied to the arm. They form the Canarese population of Kolhapur and Mysore and are also to be found in the Sadad and other districts. Mukherjee, Banerjee, Chatterjee, Ganguli are the principal names of Bengali Brahmins. Bose, Ghos, Dut, and Mitra are those of Bengali non-Brahmins. End of section 31.